You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. My name is Noam Dorman. I'm the owner of the Comedy Cellar. I'm here, as always, with my... He's become a good friend of mine. Not, not that we ever talked during the week or anything, but Mr. Dan, <laughs> Dan Natterman. Dan well, Natterman. we see each other sufficiently uh, here at the Cellar that I don't know that we need to uh, talk during the week. But I mean, am I, and of course, and our, our guest right but you're now. You're welcome to take me out to dinner anytime you want. <laughs> we, we, I do different times. Time. We're, we're doing this the way uh, Howard would do it. So um, uh, we have Lenny Marcus is here, one of the great comedians working uh, in New York and the country. Thank so you. How, how many Tonight Show appearances or Letterman? Three Letterman's. That'll take. I'll stay with that. Three David Letterman appearances. Three. You've done other stuff too. Yeah, I've been oh, yeah. on all these different wacky little shows as well, and I'm on hold for every other show until they want to use me, as okay. always. And, Can our, we, uh, and our new producer, Periel Aschen, Aschenbrund. Yes. How, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Aschenbrund. Periel is fine now. Okay. And, and I, uh, I do ahead, want to give a shout-out to our dear friend, Luca Mendes. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but he has... Sleeps with the fishes? No. <laughs> Luca Brazzi. <laughs> I don't even know if he's Hispanic, but I'm pronouncing oh. it that way. He is a listener that wrote us not once but twice, and we appreciate his good, kind words. He's a fan, and I thought he might appreciate a shout-out. And, and, and by the way, anybody else can get a shout-out, too, if you, if you are sufficiently complimentary in your <laughs> emails and uh, persistent. And our email address, let's give that out, Noam. Podcast at ComedyCellar.com. Podcast at ComedyCellar.com for feedback. Uh, so if you think that, uh, if you like the show and want to let us know, Send us an email. If you if you think the show could be even better, send us an email. If you think the show is hopeless, there's no point to sending us an email <laughs> because there's nothing we can do for you. <laughs> okay, let's get to the Lenny Marcus stuff. Well, I, also, I, 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 he's touring the world with, with Leslie Jones. I am. Can I just also... Uh, Noam, I'm sorry to... Oh, hold that thought, Lenny. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I want to <laughs> thank Noam Dorman. Apparently, we got a raise during the week, and I didn't even know about Another this. Another raise? No, the last raise when... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, what are you talking about? Dan, that's terrific. No, thanks for another raise. I don't know if you want me to give a money figure on the air. No. But the <laughs> what, what room? The last last night when I was here, not last night, but um, Monday. When was I here? Uh, I think Monday. Yeah. It was It was more than the last... And I ha I don't come here during the week that often, but it was uh, we, this... We, we up the weeknight. It was uh, this and zero. We up the weeknight <laughs> um, um, months ago. Thousand bucks for a weekday spot? Thanks, <laughs> no. Um, well, yeah. I don't work here that much during the week, so I didn't realize. And you know, the, the, the you know, the, the, the you know, I, I, the thing happened is that I, I did that, and then I didn't raise the MC pay. Yeah, I heard about that. And then William, <laughs> and then and then William Stevenson came to me. Yep. And he said, "How about the MCs?" And I'm like, mm, "None of the other." I said, "All right, well, how can I say no?" So I raised the MC pay, and then he died. <laughs> but the but the MC pay is still. Like he got his his last his last uh, little uh, shiv in me on his way out the door. Oh, and I'm man. stuck with the, with the Stevenson raise. It's like the honorary, but but uh, because I love him so much, we will keep it at that rate from now on forever. Well, also, <laughs> so it's not disrespect. Also, I think there's good karma coming um, from your generosity, now. What do you because mean? Because things are going well uh, in Vegas. I understand things are going uh, well in Vegas. Vegas was good. Okay, you know, Dan and I have a fundamental. Um, Disagreeing about the show, Vegas he's, show. He's, no, about the show in general, and he's probably right. Mm. 
that I find this kind of small talk, how's Vegas? So that, uh, I was like, this is, to me, it's like, you know, you have the 30-second skip on the podcast button. Is it oh, like, really? To me, Nobody like, wants to hear about Vegas? If I don't know. Listening? To me, it's like the 30-second, maybe because it's about me in some way, but for some reason, I'm like, this is my 30-second well, skip. Why do you li- Let's get to okay. the racial talk. Well, we like, I see. You know, like, well, because <laughs> what we're doing is we're creating a world, and we're inviting our listeners to participate in the world of the Comedy Cellar, so that when next week, they'll be like, I wonder what's going on with that Comedy Central show they've been talking about. Tune in and find out no, what's happening with Vegas. No, but this is the way you're wrong. And this is where I think you, you've, you've taken the lesson from Howard Stern incorrectly. When Howard Stern like, will create the world about it, he says, America's got talent. What he does is bring you into the conflict that he's having. What's <laughs> the difficulty, the frustrations, whatever it is. So you, want, so, you want, so you begin to learn about how he's negotiating this fucking nightmare that he got himself into when he knew better. <laughs> he's doing and well. he has to, just to say, oh, the show's going great. Nobody's interested in that. Like you want to say, well, well are, you, are, the, are the executives at Comedy Central still making your life a living hell? Now you got a show, but I can't talk about that. Are, are, the, are, the, are the guys at Vegas, are they still like, blah, 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 right. I can't talk about well, that. We're talking I, about I, the things I, signed we an, I just signed an agreement you need a, I wouldn't talk about Vegas. You need a when, bumper. When are we going to hear about Comedy Central? Well, actually, uh, I, think, I think that it's on. Oh, really? Wow, I, that's I, exciting. Dun, 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 dun. I think you it's going bumper. I think it's going to be on. I think we're going to have when? in the summertime. Summer? Oh wow. And that's then, a big and deal. maybe also maybe also to in the cut fall. Ray Allen out finally. Oh my god. Now, now that's a comedy. <laughs> so Ray Allen is I'm a, kidding, is, is, Ray. A, is a co-producer. Hey. Anyway, so yeah, no Ray's Ray's in. They're all in. Oh, I think Esty must be. But why do you mean what do you mean you think? I mean they said maybe or they said definitely. I just. Well, go, you're not at liberty to discuss. No, I'm is rolling liber- his neck. Everyone. I'm not, not at liberty to discuss, but I, but I, I feel more um, optimistic than I ever prior that our show will be back on the air. But we shall see. All right. Uh, stay wow. tuned well, for I'm a real announcement. I'm like, I'm like Pete Buttigieg. But Buttigieg's uh, presidential campaign. It looks like he's going to run. We have a gay has, television has, show. Has not been enough. <laughs> now you know what? We should not make gay jokes about <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. I support him. He's going to be great. What are you he's talking about? I, he's fantastic. I love that guy. I'm, I'm with him top or bottom of the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, no. Well, I'm, uh, I liked it. I liked it. There's nothing wrong with that joke. Well, you know, this is, I've actually been discussing this lately because I've been making some jokes like that yeah. and feeling really guilty about it. That's but maybe, the world we live in now. I, I know. So Guilt. go ahead, Dad. Go ahead. Why does he keep talking about God? He's religious. He's, he's very a, religious. He's very religious. Why are you shaking your head no? No. Because I don't because need she... a president to be talking about God. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. What is with you? Well, a o- lot. O- Obama <laughs> talked Obama. It's okay if you Who is like, it. you know, the, the president you most wish you could bang. Obama, uh, his mentor was a Reverend Wright. I don't Wright. know if that's the president I most wish I could bang. Well, he's the only black one. <laughs> what do you got, Truman? <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty much narrows it down. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear the president she most likely would bang. <laughs> I mean, Maybe who else? Obama. Kennedy. Kennedy, okay. Kennedy Everybody was pretty Kennedy. high. Yeah, double bag that one. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh, oh, oh, anyway, um, Obama was quite a religious guy. He used to go to church every Sunday with it's Reverend Wright. He's black, though. It's different. Oh, my God. So you're racist on top of me <laughs> and religious. All right, that's fine. So go ahead. So, no, I like Pete Buttigieg. He's a good uh, pick. I'm uh, trying to get him for this show. How about anybody else? I'll take but, it. No, but I do want to talk. So I have kind of internalized... All this political correct stuff, yeah. In a way that um, I find interesting, because I don't care about jokes like that, and I and not only do I not care about them, but I but I don't even think that they're 
Like if I hear somebody tell some Jewish jokes, I don't think it means they don't like Jews or right. anything. I, I think it's. All I think it's context as well, and who's saying it and where they're saying it. We're saying it on a comedy podcast. We don't really, you know. But then all of a sudden now I find myself thinking, well, what if he heard that joke? Well, I'm sure. How would it make him feel? Somebody out there will send you a letter like I didn't appreciate that. And then I say, well, would he? he?" And the truth is, by all indications, it seems like he wouldn't care. He seems like pretty easygoing about that stuff. Like he would take it in the spirit that it's intended, which is just like I was saying, like, (laughs) like comedians, you guys, you're so cynical. Yeah. And you have you're so lacking in real feelings <laughs> that you wake up and you see the morning paper. It's like a Sudoku puzzle. It's like okay, these are all the terrible. These are all the numbers. Whatever it could be, child shootings. It doesn't matter. Molestation. These are just numbers. And they say, well, how do I solve this puzzle? Right. And the, solving the puzzle is the joke, and you can't resist. And the fact is, but that is what it is, and and it's not personal to the actual real people or real situations that exist in the world, but. People are less, uh, more. People are less and less willing to see it that way. I, I think. Let me just yeah. correct that for one yeah. second. I think we do have empathy, but that's the way we turn the pain immediately. We just turn it around quick. Like we don't have that waiting period for the, you know, a time. Like immediately, a joke will come, you know, off of the thing. I, I don't think we. I think we have more empathy in some ways. Yeah, but, but I'm, we're I'm, trying to lighten the mood. But, but I'm also saying that, yeah, I, I believe you have empathy. I, I, I was just Some being, people are trying to lighten the mood. Some people just want a cheap laugh. It yeah, depends no, on no. the motivation. Well, you got to be careful because if there's no gravitas behind it, you're going to look like a jerk. I, th- I think most importantly, what people used to understand but don't want to accept anymore, is that you can have both at the same time. Like when my father was sick dying of cancer, which was the worst thing that ever happened to me, and all the comedians loved him. I, mm-hmm. remember, I walk into the... He's not dead yet. I walk into the olive tree and Nick DiPaolo says... Who's getting Alexis? Like, you know. I mean, but he knows you. He knows the context. He that, knows your dad. That's my point. Right. So I. So so yeah. Of course, he was. We were all empathetic, but he couldn't resist the joke. But an outsider <laughs> listening to that, if we were on a podcast and he hears Nick say that, would be like horrified. Yeah, I guess. I feel, yeah. And if you don't laugh immediately, double horrified. Yeah, I, I had to laugh. To right. Give so him it's cover. like the. If you do a joke like you did, in, and there's a guy in the front row, a gay guy in the front row, and he doesn't laugh, like. The comic goes, well, he's laughing, you yeah. know, like, so it's okay. You know, just give him something to be okay. No, everybody's got to be on board with the okayness of it. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Dan? Sounds good to me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. Did you want to do a well, Vegas update? I'm sorry. Update? My, my back is, is not doing well today. Why? What did I, you do? I, I, I don't know what I did, but something. And, and You it's, became it's, Jewish over... <laughs> so, so it has so, happened last year. Do we want to... Uh, I want to hear about Lenny touring the world with well, Leslie Jones. Well, there's, well I'm finished. I, I feel for Dan. There's the empathy you don't have. You're the one with no empathy. The guy's got a back problem he wants to talk about. Listen. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just trying to explain my, my uh, pain look in my face. It has nothing to do... <laughs> Normally, it's because of Noam, but today, it's, uh, it's because of my back. Uh, yeah, that's an unlikely pair. You and Leslie Jones touring. How the hell did you and Leslie Jones get together? You're like best buddies. Literally, just- where I'm sitting right now here at the Comedy Cellar. One day, Esty and I, when she walked in, she was going, you know, doing Saturday Night Live. I didn't really know her that well, but Esty and I watch every Yankees game, and we're watching the screen just like I'm looking at right now over <laughs> your shoulder. And uh, Leslie goes, "You know, I get good tickets to the Yankees. I should like baseball more. You ever want to go to a game?" And she I'm said thinking, that to you. Yeah, and I'm thinking, yeah. I would like to go to a game. She goes, give me your number. And then uh, I gave her my number. I'm like, this is never going to, this phone's never going to ring. And it rang. So we went to the game, had an amazing time, laughed the whole time. And we did that a couple times. And then I threw her lines for a couple of jokes. I go, would you want some notes on the set I just saw? And she's like, yeah. And I gave her a bunch of notes. And I can't even do this for myself. The notes hit really well. And she's like, okay, who are you? Where have you, why, why nobody's ever heard of you? 
So that it just <laughs> it just really went well with Leslie, and then we started struck up this friendship. Wait, did she know? Did she even know you were a comedian when she invited you to the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she okay. had come in year after year, but now the she literally said when she had my number, "You're Ryan, right?" She thought uh, it was Ryan Hamilton. We all look alike to her. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a joke. Do you think? Um, yeah, anyway, so it started from that, and then eventually, it's like, you want to open for me, and you want to come write, help me write the special, and and let's go on tour. Well, you said something that's interesting there that, that you can't even do it for yourself. You know, this is um, common in a, in a lot of walks of life where. Uh, you know, it's so personal to see yourself that you can actually be very insightful into some, someone else's music or comedy or whatever it is in a way that you can't for your own. I mean, I can't even listen to myself. Well, some people have just great stuff. They leave stuff on the table. You can hear, you can hear some that. Some people uh, are easy to write for. Yeah, you know, I think so. Um, than others. I just think at the, it was right place, right time, right material that I got to hear. Can I introduce? Oh, go you ahead. Can. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, wondered, um, do you think, I know, I know you're married, Lenny, but... but do you think that romance would <laughs> would be possible between you and Leslie under other circumstances? No, I don't think so. I mean, we're definitely different people. We had obviously, uh, my wife is very comfortable with that, uh, with me going out with Leslie, just because she's met her a million times, and um, we're just we like opposite things. It's weird. We have comedically, we're on the same wavelength, but I think everything else, we're not. It's kind of a shame you're not attracted to each other because, you know, like. It, it's the perfect cover. Like no one, would, like you could actually get away with that one. No one would ever suspect you could be you could be seen together in restaurants. Your wife would never. Anyway. No, I think that's why that's some of the reason why this works really well. She's got a great team with her that nobody has any issue. You know, there's no. Uh, well, you, it's a sitcom waiting to happen. You and Leslie oh, well, as a couple. Just it's even the craziest, when the craziest. Wherever we go, people are like, "What yeah, craziest duo I've ever seen?" Well, you got to see the force. Well, you got to see the the assist, all the rest of the troupe. You know, the assistant's this five-foot little white girl who's 25. And then you got the gay um, stylist who's really out there. It's really, it's a fun group. Yeah, it really is. All right, we've been joined in the center square by Alana Newhouse. She's the editor and chief and founder of Tablet Magazine. And that is a big deal. Tablet, what uh, is Tablet Magazine? Tablet Magazine, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to describe it the wrong way. Tablet Magazine is like the number one online. It's a Jewish cultural magazine. Ah, there you I, go. That's I, all you had to number do. Number one online <laughs> um, place to go to hear intelligent discussion of Jewish issues in 2019, oh, wow. I would you. say. I, Congrats. And, and um, I mean, I, I only learned about it because I was getting articles forwarded to me and... Uh, and seeing things that kind of like went viral. Well, maybe this is going to be our most. She has a book. She's yeah. the author of a new book, The 100 Most Jewish Foods, out this month from Artisan. How about The 100 Most Jewish Podcast, number one? <laughs> <laughs> Live from the table, at least this episode, anyway. Wait, I just want to say one thing. It actually comes full circle because I met Noam because I interviewed you for Tablet and that was actually how we became And I agreed to do that interview because I like Tablet. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let me let me turn your mic. Turn talk Alana. Okay. Okay. Great. So uh, we're going to talk about Jewish foods or Netanyahu's. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> well, I'd like to talk about something that I think is would be of general interest okay. to everybody. Yeah. And uh, both elbow problems. Both no, I, I'm I'm leaning back because of my back, so I. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, both Noam and Lenny are Jewish, as am I, as is Periel. That's why this is the number one most Jewish podcast. Um, Jewy is the. Jew and nobody's skipping ahead now, no. <laughs> um, but both Noam and Lenny. Are intermarried. They're both married to. Uh, Noam is married to a woman who's Puerto Rican and East Indian, 
Lenny's married to some Italian chick. Uh, <laughs> Irish Italian. I was one, so w- was wondering, uh, had, what were your thoughts on intermarriage? Now, a lot of uh, discussion these days about the Jewish community. Noam is obsessed with his kids being Jewish, and I tell him it's not realistic. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. I converted them. But go ahead. I'll tell you a story. So when Tablet started, we started 10 years ago, and... Um, Back then, we every website had their own comment section. At some point, everybody turns it over to Facebook, but in the original iteration of Tablet, we had our own comment section. And we would monitor. We were a new website, so we wanted to monitor who was commenting on the site. And there was a guy who kept writing these comments that were incredibly thoughtful and also polite. And I thought to myself, he's not Jewish. He's not Jewish. (laughs) 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 So after like the fifth or sixth comment, I do the thing I'm not supposed to do. I'm not really allowed to do, which is I actually go and find his email in the back end, and I then email him because I just I'm literally too curious. And I write to him and I say, "Hi, I'm the editor of this thing, and we just started it, you know, a year ago. And can you tell me? I see you've commented on a bunch of the stories. Can you tell me what's going on?" writes me, it's literally like you could have predicted it. He writes me and says, hi, yeah, I'm not Jewish, and my wife is Jewish, and I, she never asked me to convert. She just said that I had to go to all the holidays with her family, and she wanted us to raise our kids Jewish. Except the problem is, is that I have all these questions, and if I go to my mother-in-law, she's literally going to talk to me as though I'm, I'm hard of hearing. Like, she'll be like... The exodus was from <laughs> Egypt. And he's like, I actually want to know fairly sophisticated stuff. And so what I did was I started to read Tablet because I feel like it made me fluent in the Jewish language. Um, so the short version is, is I don't know how to answer your question about intermarriage because I'm not a rabbi or a rebbitzin or a rabbanut or whatever they call themselves. Um, but I do think that Intermarriage is an incredibly fascinating phenomenon that certainly in this country has created a lot of richness inside of Jewish life that I think people that were involved in the Jewish community did not necessarily predict. I also think that the focus on continuity and on making sure that our kids know what our traditions are is also incredibly important. Well, Ed Robert, can you guys shut up? I'm sorry, our podcast is funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's like, all right, so, <laughs> okay, but here, there's a few things here. First of all, are you married? Yes. Right. So first of all, when the mom is Jewish, at least the kids are are, are Jewish automatically. Well, that, that's no, way easier. No, the reform movement... Um, uh, follows patrilineal descent too, so the father can be Jewish either. Also, yeah, but the fact is, but then when you want to take him to Israel, you know, I yeah, like Listen, I said, none of us could go. I mean, at this point, like I can't go to Israel and they'll consider me a Jew. <laughs> like why? Have, well, oh, oh, I can. so basically, the Israeli, um, the chief rabbinate, the rabbinate in Israel, it has enormous control over. Um, deciding who's a Jew and who's not, which uh, relates to who gets to get married in Israel, who gets to be buried well, in a Jewish cemetery. Jewish? I, I would I be. Um, but, um, for example, there are a ton of people who were converted by modern Orthodox rabbis in this country. Um, these are 
Orthodox rabbis, um, and they would not be considered Jewish. They could not get a Jewish burial or be married Jewishly in Israel. Um, now, that is about a particular corner of Israeli life right now, as far as I'm concerned. I think the rabbinate should actually be lifted up and dropped into the sea, but anyway. Um, <laughs> well, but, but because I just, don't think, I just don't think they should have political power. I don't think they should decide something as essential as this, especially when they're making the decisions in this way. That said, um, this country is very different. Right. Lenny, so are you, you going to raise your try to raise your kids Jewish? No, our kids are not going to be You don't care. Huh? This, I don't this, care. See, this is I see I couldn't do that. It was so painful to me. Thank God my wife was on board so I <laughs> well, Okay, this back. is like, So so <laughs> what did you say? I didn't know my you back. were that really had a spasm. <laughs> Sorry. So so my I took my kids to get um, a conservative conversion. Uh-huh. And but you know, I I don't really believe in God. I shouldn't say that. I absolutely don't believe in God. Okay. And <laughs> And and the the ceremony is, and I, I talk about that. You take them to the swimming pool, basically, you know, the the, yeah. the, the mikvah, but it, it, it's really just a little, it's like a large bathtub, <laughs> like a large yeah. bath. And you dunk them under the water, and you say the magic incant the words, and somehow it automatically God gets the message, and all of a sudden they're Jews. It's ridiculous. And yeah, and after I did it. The first time I, I felt that I said this is this is ridiculous. I took him to Merlin to get the magic words. I know better than this. Right. And then I proceeded to do it again with the next two, <laughs> <laughs> the next two kids because I, I I couldn't I can't escape but, it. It's but ridiculous. what are you what are you, what <laughs> are you hoping it. for? Uh, most of all, absolution. Well, well, Alana hit on it. No, it's the continuity. I want them. But that's cultural, isn't it? Let the man finish his sentence. <laughs> she, she, she can't help that. She's a Jewish woman. I, 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 I want them to be able to feel connected to Judaism if they want. And, that, and if they realize that technically they're not Jewish, although re re reform opinions notwithstanding, it's just going to make it that much easier for them to walk away from it or that much harder for them to actually em embrace it. And um, I feel like embracing Reform Judaism is, is is pretty tenuous at the point where you're where you're that um, uh, uh, not religious and that kind of open to a a very loose interpretation of it. And your own your mother's not even Jewish. I don't see that really drawing that many people like my kids in. So so, but yeah. this is all. Yeah, I mean, can I? This, this may be all naive on my part. It's not. Oh. It's not. It's. I actually think that. The truth is, is that I think that what happened to, well, let me say, I think that what happened to a lot of American Jews in the last 50 years is that a lot of American Jewish leaders or uh, communal figures made them feel deeply insecure about their own inheritance. Um, but it's yours. Right. Do with it what you want. And you should not question the way in which you feel you want to transmit it to your children, especially if that way feels magical to you and the idea that actually and, and also this notion that like you can't pick and choose the whole thing is about picking and choosing pick right. and choose what you want this notion that you have to take it all or nothing and what and what you have to take is what we decide we're putting on the list had let me just say whatever the intentions were of the people who transmitted that it had very toxic consequences because it made people feel deeply unattached to a thing that I think is theirs. Right. 
Um, that that kind of nails so, it for me. I mean, what she just said, religious why I mean, I went to Hebrew school. I was salutatorian in my Hebrew school. I was that, the, that means second? Yeah. With, unless it was such a disappointment you to your kids. <laughs> Ocean's Ocean's your parents. Oceanside my parents. Lawrence. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I just had it forced down my throat. I mean, for good reason. My father escaped World War II. You know, it, um, and that's all he ever wanted. He was a draft dodger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get married to a Jewish woman, whatever. But that, you know, some of these things just won't happen. You know what I mean? It's just, so what was I supposed to do? Not either not get married and go to my grave with it or stick to this crazy guns. Wait, so can I tell you this crazy yeah. thing? There are a bunch of these kids in Israel who are the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. Yeah. And they've decided to get their grandparents and great-grandparents Holocaust concentration camp numbers tattooed on their own arms. Oh wow. I heard about as that. As a way of um, memorializing their ancestors and their experience. Let's, whatever else it's, it means or doesn't mean or whatever, what was so interesting then was that they all were like, oh no, do I get to get buried in a Jewish cemetery now? And there was a part of me that wanted to be like, you're walking Jewish memory. Right. You literally did something and yet your first question was to be like, are the rabbis not gonna approve? The answer's in you. It's in what you wanna do. It's not, this notion of needing to get approval from some other leader is crazy. Exactly. I, I'm, I've done with, and I, a lot of this, in a lot of ways in my life, I'm done with people telling me what's what. Like, like, no, like me? No, 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 no one would have the <laughs> no, argument I'm all the time. Is the kid Jewish if the mother's not Jewish? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But what Just do you because consider? somebody came up with that? I mean, the, there's By the way, parents. in the Bible, Moses had a child with a non-Jewish woman and, the, and then... God commanded him to have him, have him circumcised. So it's actually, even in the Bible, there's been patrilineal examples. Yeah, I mean, I think my father even said, like, but once upon a time, it was it went with the men, yeah. not the women, and they flipped it. I don't know. And so I just don't buy it. You know, you just, she's going to, my daughter will be whatever she is. You know what I mean? Like, she'll get, she'll understand okay, okay, so, Easter and whatever from okay, those parents, so, and it'll probably be all the good rewards of both. But hanging out with me, trust me, she'll get enough Jew stuff. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I use this to launch into my, my seething issue, the most Jewy thing, and then we'll get off it? Sure. And I don't think Alana agrees with me. And I know Barry Weiss doesn't agree with me, and I, I missed your... Um... Cinnamon raisin bagels stink. <laughs> oh, my God, I agree with that. There you go. I'm just wondering what Luca Mendez thinks, because he... <laughs> you know, he heard... Our last episode was Jim Brewer, and he was probably thinking, oh, this fucking great man, Brewer, we're talking about Metallica. I wonder what their next episode is. Here we are. Here we are. The, the, the Klezmerim. Right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but maybe he's into it. I don't know. Luke, I'm sure we'll... Because he, he, he's, he, he's, uh, he frequently... Uh, Email, so I'm sure we'll know. Go I ahead, don't like, and and this this and this plays into my worry about my kids because I I feel like my kids are getting older in a world where there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to uh, keep an arm's distance from their Judaism because in colleges in 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 all the the in, in all the things that they're going to travel through on their kind of trajectory right now, uh, the influential people don't like Israel and, and are, are, I think, are, are making basically Afrikaners out of anybody who feels Jewish or close to Israel. And, uh, and again, that's what worries me as, as not being born Jewish. Like, well, well, I need this shit for her. No, I'm not Jewish. And what, what I'm seeing everybody do that cares about this stuff, they do it in good faith, is they're comparing, well, on the right, they have this anti-Semitism, ABC, and on the left, they have anti-Semitism. And I think... In my mind, and you can convince me where I'm wrong, 
I'm not worried at all about right-wing anti-Semitism. I think it is a big canard, and I'll tell you why. First of all, I think that uh, right-wing anti-Semitism comes from a lot of old discredited ideas. In the same way flat earthers are still around and will always be around and that's discredited or uh, whatever else might, uh, might be discredited. Um, vac vaxxers, we're always going to have you know, uh, people who say vaccinations don't work. 200 loser Nazis walking around Charlottesville dressed up in costumes, whatever it is. This is not going to grow into anything. The first year they have 200, the next year they do the march again, 20 people show up. Yeah. More people showed up to the Flat Earth, I looked this up, more people showed up to the Flat Earth meeting than showed up to the... To, uh, I'm gonna to, disagree with you on this, by to, the way, to, when you're done. Uh, everybody's gonna disagree with me. Yeah. Uh, on <laughs> the left, it's not, it's not coming out of some old discredited ideas. These are new, hot, righteous ideas which are basically racist which say that people of color you must always take the side of people of color over people who are white israel is white even though it's not and colonialist and israel will always be in the wrong and they, and and you add on top of that the fact that these people don't know the first thing about even the recent history of the negotiations there how the peace process broke down how I mean, I've spoken to people who, who make a cause of this stuff. I said, do you know how the, the occupied territories came to be occupied? No, they don't know. They, they, I mean, it, it's stunning. And all the and, and already colleges are saying they don't want the kids studying, taking a semester abroad in Israel. And I mean, you can go on and on. I don't want to get, get boring about it. So when I look at my kids, I'm like, well, yeah, s some crazy person could shoot up a synagogue and probably will again. But that, and I, I sent an email to him, I said, right-wing anti-Semitism rallies us. Left-wing anti-Semitism rots us. I've noticed, no, if you just noticed, I yeah, wrote that down on the sheet yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anti-Semitism on the right rallies us. Anti-Semitism anti okay. yeah, on the left rots us. I've written that us. in an email. And I feel that's what they like, when, when somebody, when they, I've never seen Jews more proud of themselves as when there was that Pittsburgh shooting. It's like, this is, we, we got together, we're Jews, and we're loud and proud about I it. Put it under Noam's greatest hits. But on anything <laughs> that happens in Israel, anything like that, we're sheepish and we, we want to hide. So, Alana, is, you're not going to disagree with me? Um, uh, I will say that I think my position is more nuanced than you assumed. Um, but do you want to actually, you seem like you had a reaction to it. You well, can go the, first. The right wing side is from someone who had to hear that every day. Like, I don't discount. 200 people in Nazi outfits ever. I mean, my whole family died because of this. So my father said, you know, a lot of people back in that day in Poland were like, uh, this is nothing. And, and so I never will discount nothing turning into like complete slaughter. I don't ever discount nothing in any aspect of my life either. But I don't discount 200 people. Now, Noam, I think, this is my opinion, we are insulated in New York City. In the highest you, you know, rate in the country. So I mean, if I lived in Charlottesville and I had an apartment in Charlottesville and 200 Nazis walked in front of my building, I'd be pretty scared. Right, but they've always been. They were in Skokie. Can yeah, but you, still, let, still, let, I'm not saying that's a good okay. thing. It's let me not make this point, then I'm gonna let Alana say what she wants. If I think if you were actually looking for the mirror image of left-wing anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. this is what you'd see. Every time there was a, a an NRA, you know, a, a gun rights march they would be complaining about the Jews. Every time there's a pro-life uh, pro march, 
they'd be complaining about the Jews. Every time there's something about capitalism that they want to fight for, they'd be complaining about the Jews. Because this is what happens on the left. Occupy Wall Street has to talk about the Jews. The Women's March, which uh, Alana, you know, had that famous article that she'll talk about, they have to talk about the Jews. I mean, any left-wing Black Lives Matter has to talk about the Jews. But if there was, a, in other words, yeah, any, I, any hot new cause on the left, they have to find a way to complain about the Jews. On yeah, the I'm right, not with those people either. Right, but, but mm-hmm. I'm saying that's the mirror. On the right, they have, you know, there's pro-life and guns and whatever their causes are. They don't talk about the Jews. Then you have the crazy well, Nazis oftentimes in, they do. in their Nazis well, in their kids in their parents' basement wearing a costume. Okay, so can I? Yeah. So I guess I just want to step in and say that um, I really do feel like American Jews are now in a vice, and there's two, um, there, there are two um, opposing forces on either side. There is what I think is a very small. Um, but deep anti-Semitic strain in historical American Jewish life um, that comes out of what, like, one of my favorite women in Boca calls those crazies in Portland, which, like, I just thought was, like, the best way to phrase it. Um, And and I want to make sure that I... I underscore that that actually is quite real and that uh, the John Birch Society, uh, white nationalism in this country is a very, very, very real tradition, literally. It's actually woven into American life. Um, And the hard part is that for a lot of American Jews, a president that most of them did not vote for seemed to be bolstered by not just those 200 people who could turn into 20 a year later, but the ideological leaders and underpinning and the ideas that they seem driven by. The fact that 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 now seems like it has political power gives it weight. On the other side, though, um, I do think that there's there's something taking root um, on the the left, which frankly is where 80% of American Jews live. And the fact that that's where they live is very, very scary. Well, and for I example, think, what do you mean? Um, what do I mean by that's where well, they live? What do you, what, no, but I mean, what are you saying? What's so, happening on the left? Um, so, I mean, the, the, the easiest example for me to give is the Women's March, only because we wrote a big story about it. So the Women's March leadership um, what have uh, what I would say are pretty consistent ties to Louis Farrakhan. And the idea that actually Israel, not Syria... Not China, which actually enslaves, at this point, millions of Muslims. A million Muslims in like, concentration like there's no, there, there was no other country, not Russia, that got named in the Women's March principles as having been an affront to their idea of leadership and of liberty and freedom, except Israel. The idea that then you had a bunch of leaders from that Women's March showing up at every single event with Nation of Islam security around them. How do you think that made a bunch of Jewish women in that crowd feel? Those guys are actually pretty recognizable. And the idea that then they went and flouted on, on Instagram and on Facebook, they went to all of these events with Louis Farrakhan and sat there while he said these horrible things about Jews and then later Instagrammed about it in, in this laudatory way. To me, I feel like traditional democratic politics where 
we were like, okay, we may have differing needs, we may have differing priorities, but the idea is, is we're all going to respect everybody's right to exist, all of a sudden didn't uh, apply to Jews. And not only did it not apply to Jews, but when Jews raised a stink for literally two years, nobody would listen. And they wouldn't actually, they kept saying, oh, the only people who have a problem with this are, are right-wing Jews. All the right-wing neocon, Israel, blah, blah, blah Jews are, are trying to separate us. Except it wasn't the right-wing Jews. It was a bunch of left-wing Jews who were actually wanted to be their deepest supporters and felt deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, I, and, and these are the influential people in society. These are lawmakers, professors, important people in business and industry. This is not uh, these these white nationalist hicks. No, I understand. But look, I used to, this goes through comedy too, and Dan can talk about this. Like when we do shows, if you make a joke, uh, if I make a joke about Israel, you know, like things blowing up in Israel, I've done it for Israelis. They think it's hilarious. They just think we're some kind of wacky New York. They think it's <laughs> very funny. You do it for American Jews at a temple, like a uh, conservative temple, they take it very seriously. How dare you? So, I mean, these are, these are people on the left, obviously, not the right. So, they don't, to me, Israel, like, most of the people, and I've taken polls on in comedy rooms, you know, how many people have ever been there? And a lot of these people give big money and have some, an opinion. They've never even been there and seen what's gone yeah, on there. Yeah, but hold up. So, I'm not talking about Israel. I'm talking about Louis Farrakhan, who basically says the Jews are essentially poison people. That's about Jews no, who agree. live in this and country. It's not religion, he called it's us. Not, it's not about Israel. And actually, their rhetorical move, which is to say, oh, this is about you defending Israeli tanks or machine guns. It's like, actually, no, I would rather not be called a, basically the, like somebody who faked the entire Holocaust and caused 9-11. That's it. Here. Right, right here. Yeah. You're right. I mean, the extreme on the left is... I don't think it's... I uh, can't so, say it's as bad. So I mean, I can't wait. Even, there's no wait. The people on the right are scarier. They're just plain scary. No. It's, it, it's an, and, and the people on the right, have, you know, they, they, the press just wants to... I mean, 20 people showed up to... Uh, I've made this comment before that almost every comedian here tomorrow could draw 20 people. This was a march which was getting publicized in every major network. It was the second anniversary of Unite, Unite the Right March and 20 people showed up and yet now if a thousand people had showed up, rightfully we'd be expected to say, wow, a thousand people showed up. That sounds like it has energy. But if 20 people showed up, we'd have to pretend it didn't happen. Well, hold up, but no, I don't know. But wait one second. I just want to say that you had a president who the people around him and him were actually tweeting, particularly around the election and right afterwards, a lot of stuff that was not, it wasn't far away from anti-Semitic tropes. It was really close. I, I didn't and that guy actually now has the presidency. Now, I'm not saying, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I also feel like some of this is where the person who's feeling it sits. So for example, I have a sister who lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. Where she sits, she might actually be more afraid of right-wing anti-Semitism because, frankly, it's what she would encounter. We're sitting in New York. We sit and go to dinner parties and hear all this, hear everybody talk about Israel and blah, 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 blah. And we may feel something different here. Well, I haven't heard of any universities anywhere in the country where being pro-Israel... Uh, was a problem, a lot, except, a lot from, of, except from a left-wing reaction. A lot to of what it. Noam is I've calling. I've never heard of any university where the right, you know, I, I just sure you could get, you could find some clan guy out in the south, which could hurt your sister. Um, 
That that is that will never change. I've met many people that are have very strong anti-Israel opinions, and I think they're unfounded opinions, and I think they're ill-informed opinions. I don't believe for a second that these people hate Jews, um, and. Some of our dear friends here at the Comedy Cellar would fit into that category. But very, very hostile anti-Israel opinions that do not hate Jews. I, I, but the people on the right that hate Jews hate Jews. Uh, I, listen, I agree. With I, 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 I think you guys are. I, I know. I know. I'm in minority position here. My, my position is this. I don't. Think I, don't I don't need to read their minds and know whether they hate Jews or don't hate Jews. People are are very capable of hating Jews, having Jewish friends. I mean, you, people. Are, psychology is very mild. What I'm concerned about is that my children can grow up to be open and proud of their Jewish heritage and their affinity for their homeland of their people in Israel. Yeah, I think that is tremendously threatened right now. I agree with you. And that is not being threatened by those Nazis who actually you. might put a bullet through one of their heads. I understand that. I think that. it's threatened by all of them. No. Yes. No. It's Absolutely. No. I think I every, time, every time a Nazi kills a Jew, it, this is a horrible thing to say, I think it cuts the other way. That's the only time we get sympathy as Jews. Um, no, no, I have to say I agree with you. I think that what you're saying, what you're basically saying, is is that there's a difference between uh, somebody murdering somebody's body um, and somebody murdering somebody's capacity to know what they are um, and know who they are. Um, and I do think that there is, there are definitely spaces on the left right now, spaces that Jews felt comfortable in for decades. In fact, many spaces that Jews built, and we, they do not feel comfortable in those spaces anymore. And it is, a, it is actually going to be, I think, for us, I think we're going to look back in 30 years and realize that it was the fight of our life. That's what I feel right now. And then let me, let me tell you where else my, by the way, just so I'm on record in case anybody who knows me listens to this and feels like I was afraid to say so. I actually don't think Trump ever tweeted anything that I but was anti-Semitic, anti-Mexican, anti-Muslim. I think Trump... I there was were people ready. bad on both sides? I, How about that one? You need to actually research that because... I, I, I've seen that no, clip a no, hundred times, I actually Noam. recently... That re is, that no, is no, irresponsible. You, yes, but you didn't see that two sentences later, he actually said... I just found this out myself for the first time. He actually said, no, I'm not talking about the white nationalists. They should be condemned unconditionally. I'm talking about the people who came out uh, to protest the statues coming down. He actually said that. I just, I'll send it to you afterwards. But, but having said that, this is the next part of my argument. And, and I came to this, and I can't get out of my head. So the Pew poll shows that Republicans are 80% sympathetic to Israel. That's the word they use, sympathetic to Israel, whatever that means. The Democrats are 29% sympathetic to Israel. Now, normally if you're in a political party, you, normally a political party, you would wish that the other party would adopt your views. So I thought to myself, well, what would happen if I'm a Jewish Democrat? What would happen if, if uh, the Republican Party adopted my party's views of Israel? All of a sudden, the Republican Party down to 29% of Israel. And then you have what could go into a free fall of just a, basically a consensus national opinion on Israel and, and all that could lead to. Because if both parties are 29 or only 29% sympathetic to Israel, you have a totally different world. And, and I believe it could um, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. feed How, on itself. So explain to me the scenario in which the Republican Party's support of Israel plummets to no, 29%? I'm, no, I'm saying it, 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 I don't believe it could. Okay. I'm saying hypothetically, if it were to, 
So what I'm getting at is, is it possible, you know, we Jews are programmed from birth to vote Democrat. Is it possible that the Republican Party is the bulwark against anti-Semitism that allows us liberal Democratic Jews to indulge our social justice id, that's the way I put it, and the protection of, the, of this Democratic Party that doesn't like us, because we know that the Republicans, they are, they've got our back. They give us all the freedom to engage in all this crap that we want to engage in. But God forbid they should ever change their minds, then we'd have an issue. In the same way people in, red, in blue states are so condescending about people in, in red states, except it's their kids who go to fight in the army. Like, if, if we have a war, who's going to fight? A bunch of red parent children are going to go fight. While we blue people, are blah, 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 blah. And I, and I began to think, I, you know, I, I began to have like a cognitive dissonance. Like, how can I support the Democrats anymore? I mean, how can I possibly, when I know that if, if they had their way, the whole country would feel this so way. Can I, can I tell you, yeah. can I mirror something back at you? Yeah. So basically... Um, your thought process, which is particularly sophisticated, is actually something that a lot of people that I've been speaking to, particularly as I go around the country on this book tour, feel. Um, there's two different ways to take it. There are two different strategies. Um, and those people who are pretty involved in activism or in politics in some kind um, basically choose one or two. One way is to give up and go over to the Republicans. It's it's a warm bath over there. So <laughs> go, 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 go over. Um, it's it's an easy move. And it's, um, I mean, even though it's psychologically, I think, very hard for a lot of people, once you go over there, I don't think it's as hard. Um, then there are other people who really believe that the whole point is to stay and fight. In fact, the whole point as Jews, what, we, what happened to us was that we liked being, having the opinion that the majority had, except that was never our role. Our role was always to force our side to be better and to confront their own hypocrisies and to make sure that they were a purer expression of the thing that they said they were going to be for us and for everyone. And so for those people, they feel like they want to fight to make the, Demo the Democratic Party and the entire left actually engage with what some people see as its increasing anti-Semitism yeah. um, and anti-Jewish impulses, um, particularly around money and particularly around Israel. And so it's basically, a. I think this, that you're, the draw is a personality decision. Are you one of those people who actually wants to stay and start a ruckus? and see how far you could push your own side? Or are you a person who, for whatever reason, all of those things are completely understandable, actually thinks like, I wanna go where they want me yeah. and where I can do good immediately when I walk through the door because I'm not fighting the majority. So um, I, I think that either strategy, uh, if it were actually carried out, could have a strong impact. Yeah. Certainly if the, if the Jews up and left the Democratic Party, that would have a big impact. And certainly if the Jews all banded together and did fight like hell against yeah. this stuff, that would certainly have an impact. I well, don't think the latter is ever going to happen. I think, I think they're more likely just going to get co-opted and develop Stockholm Syndrome. I don't see Jews having the 
the, the confidence in themselves anymore, and, and they've been let down by their parents' generation who's already allowed the binds to Judaism to, to fray so much. I don't see them standing up to the AOCs and the... But what are you uh, going to uh, do? If you're, what happens if you actually believe in Medicare for all? If you believe in the idea of a strong federal government? Like, you're not just going to go to the Republicans and fight for it there. Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, Those people don't believe no. in any of that stuff. Like, that's... And, and by the way, well, what does I, Medicare for all mean? I mean, we don't you don't believe in Medicare for all. You want you want to end private insurance? I'm hundred percent not going to make this argument here. But the point well, is, what, like, I, do you actually no, mean Medicare you, for all? No, you mean you, you believe are. in healthcare for all? I, I I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if I believe in healthcare for all. By the way, but um, the point is, is that what I mean to say is, is you're imagining that these people are one-dimensional and that the Jewish part of them is the only part that's operative. The reason why they're Democrats is because they believe in a whole host of other things and they also want to be Jews, also believing in criminal justice reform, also believing in a healthcare industry that actually, I don't know, covers people for the random things that yeah. they actually have in yeah, their lives. I would say I'm that person. Right. And it's like... And, and what is he going to do? He's actually, he's not going to go and be a Republican. And let me tell All you right. why. Well, let then, me tell you why. According to my father, and I totally agree with him, uh, from everything I know growing up with my father's background who fought for the War of Independence and blah, 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 after he escaped. Um, my father says the Jews in Israel, Israel's not afraid if the popularity on uh, drops. They'll take care of themselves. He's very, my father is very confident in their technology. No, that's whatever. a lot of bravado. Because I would say, bravado, trust me, my dad knows a lot. He knew a lot of people in the top parties there because my dad was they very need, connected they, there. They, they need yeah, Americans. you you think that, and I agree with my father. Why not? Why don't Americans they Americans all... need Israel more than Israel needs America? Depending on what, what exactly. what's happening. That's what exactly happens in the world. what my father said. Both, they don't need us at all. We well, the they us in here. It's actually, yeah, the, the, you know how long ago that was? Uh, I can do a uh, long, It was 46 a long ago. time ago. Don't do the math because it's going to get me nervous. But like, I think I did it right. No, but you did. Jews yeah. are not afraid of this at all. I think no. they, they, they don't think the same way as that thought that we need do, Big do Brother you, to help us. Do you think that if the United States, one, one of the things everybody talks about, and anti-Semites love to discuss, is the uh, loans that are given Israel every year, $3 billion, $4 billion, whatever it is. Not loans. Uh, They're not uh, loans. Well, whatever they are. Yeah. What do you what, mean whatever they are? It's different. If I give you a million dollars and ask you to, because I'm giving well, you a million dollars to make me $900,000 worth of goods that you're then giving me, that's not a loan. I'm paying you for goods. Certainly. It, anyway. Well, what, well whatever, I'm going to go back to my statement. Whatever it is... Do you think, according to Lenny, Israel does not need it, could survive without it? Do you believe that that's true? No, but America can't. America I, wants the 100%. weapons. hundred percent there. Okay, America but, wants the weapons, the technology, I, the I, wait, the the uh, you know medicine that they come up with, the agriculture stuff. Ways. My, my but, cousin ways is in agriculture. <laughs> he gives us so many okay. products. You let you've let us off the path of, path of a principle into like a a, a cheshbon, into like I a. I feel like uh, we were supposed to talk about something funny. Okay, this is the last. What thing are we? Well, <laughs> but if, if if you're gonna make the argument you made yeah. about fight for Medicare for all, and all that you're stuff. You're from that, Tablet, not on. Mad Magazine. Hold I want to be from Mad <laughs> well, Magazine, though. I just want to say one thing. Then we, then, then that's fine. I don't know. I actually don't agree with that because I think that if we don't okay. stand for ourselves, it means that the rest of the world looks at that and says it's not that important even to them. Definitely not important to us. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. In other words, if if people see the Jews uh, turning a blind eye to this kind of thing against Israel and against Jews outright and and it, if it doesn't bother us it's definitely not going to bother them but more but also want to say that if we're going to adopt that argument that means that 
some Republican who turns a blind eye to when somebody around them says whatever it is about black people and says, look, I like the policies. Then we have to say, okay, fair enough. We're doing the same thing ourselves. We're not going to criticize. Nothing is disqualifying anymore. And we're not going to criticize them anymore. And if they want David Duke to run, we have our, we have our Ilhan Omar. They can have their David Duke. And we won't say boo because that's their right. And that's not the world we live in. And, 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 Look, we, and we have I, to stand up for what's can I, can right. I, and it's I, more important I, in the short term than Medicare for all. And, I, and I, do, I do think that there is something going on that is worth noting, which is that the Democratic Party traditionally was driven by a particular kind of urban politics all over the country um, that was ultimately, it was profoundly conciliatory in nature, meaning you would bring all of the groups interest groups of your city around the table. And the idea was not everyone was going to get everything they wanted, right. but everyone was going to get something. That was actually machine politics. It was democratic machine politics that then um, elevated itself to the national level. I mean, obviously throughout uh, the century and la probably for the last time with Clinton. Since then, though, and I think that the internet and social media is a big part of this, since then, though, there's just this idea that there's an orthodoxy. Yes. And you either say yes or no. Right. And whoever says yes says yes, and whoever says no says no. And there's no compromising. It's not a, okay, we're going to give this group one thing and we're going to give that group another thing, which is the way that urban communities that had to force different kinds of people to live together had to work. Instead, we're like, actually, we're going to split you. In fact, we're going to fracture groups that had to come together and we're going to pit you against each other. And we're going to say, in fact, someone's going to win and you're going to walk away with what you want and other people are not going to walk away with what they want. That sense on the left feels to me to be deeply, actually, un-American. And I, I think I that if Jews see themselves as stalwarts of the left and really want to make a le the left a better place they will remember and remind the left that they were a place for everyone. And they were a place where everybody had to walk away from that table feeling like they won something, well, even the, if it was a half a milkshake. The, the left has fully embraced the, a lot of the ideas that the right used to embrace, that it's okay to judge people by the color of their skin. That, so, that No one has numerous a, other problems and, with the left, and, and, and I have and, An Asian problems. baby shall, shall sacrifice 200 SAT points at birth <laughs> due to its DNA. No, that's the, that's the way they see it, right? So, but let's talk, and, and, about the no, and immigration we, is another area. Can we talk about a different issue altogether that's going to be more fun? Please. Congestion pricing. Oh, Do you have any yes. views on congestion pricing? Well... I don't even know what so, that is. So I'll get it. Well, that's the, now they're going to start example. charging people ten dollars yeah. to drive below 60th Street, which to me, so I, I love it. You love it. <laughs> well, so, so of course, where you Where do you live? Seventy Second Street. He lives on Fifty Street. And I don't have a car. <laughs> this is it. And car, the, the city, we don't, we need less cars. Charge them. So this is this <laughs> sorry. Is, you actually you actually brought up exactly what I want to say. First yeah. of all, so much of politics today is about John F. Kennedy said, you know, ask not what your country can do, ask what you can do for your country. No, no. So much politics now is about what other people are doing wrong and how other people no, should change how they live. Just tell me what you're going to do with the money. So, so, but here's yeah, the thing. Are they going to fix the subways with it? I, I I look around New York here. I'm below 60th Street. And I was taking very, I drive a very, I, I make a good living and I drive a Lexus. And mm -hmm. I'm looking around at all the other cars below 60th a Street. A very good living. And <laughs> I notice that these are not rich people's cars. I mean, you see some rich people's cars. By and large, I'd say 60, 70%. 
are mid-level cars. You can have I, a nice car in the city. They'll which crash. I take to mean that these are middle-class people who are going to be having to pay $50 more a week. I think they're trucks. What do you mean, trucks? No. I think that the vast majority of those thing, of the people that are driving into under 60th, uh, 60th Street, a lot of them are delivery trucks. No, 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 they're not trucks. It's just cars. So you drive it down up 6th Avenue right now in your taxi on the way home. But as, no one, as uh, Lenny pointed out, don't people use their shitty cars when they come into the city? point is this. This is a... Never mind that you might have bought a house you know, st- strategically to the highway exit. Never mind that it's not convenient for you to spend an extra hour commuting, whatever it is. The point is, they, they are... What the, are they the, doing the with the money? Of, the par- this is, Lenny, the part... The party of the working class has decided to levy a $50 a week tax on the poor people of this city. And it, it's stunning to me. Well, you want you want to tax the super wealthy? Tax the super wealthy. Did you what? just meet Mayor de Blasio? <laughs> well, is he actually new to you? Tell well, me. This is actually, also called, just show me the proof what you're going to do with the money. I the just, problem is it's nebulous. Nothing. If you they're said gonna they're going to build the another yeah, tunnel with it. Or they're gonna no. build. Well, Lenny, this, uh, see, this is this is, and this is like you. This is this is a problem I have with you. Yeah. This well, is now fa- we're getting good. This is a failure. Of now empathy. Luca Mendez is back on board. You don't drive. <laughs> right. You don't have a. You don't have. That's you, right. And, and and you literally cannot put yourself in the position of a middle class family. Of course, I. What are you drive, talking about? I'm a middle class family that, that buys a house in Yonkers. I'm buying a house in Manhattan. Right. And it's they, awful. And they. <laughs> And and <laughs> I have tons of empathy. Wait, and what then, are you doing with the money? The subways wait, as well. All he has is empathy because he has no money. Right. He's buying he a house in Manhattan. I and totally they, get. I don't want to get hit with that money. And they don't live near the train station, and they certainly don't work near the the Grand Central where the the Metro North comes in. And it would take them an hour and a half extra, maybe each, each way to get to and from work. And now they're going to hit them with ten dollars extra. A day. Yeah, it sucks. And you, and I'm you sorry. Say, right. But show me what you do with the money. No, no. that's not. If exactly. it was for something great. By the way, you realize that you guys are saying the same thing. All right. Yes. If, it's, okay. if it's for something, if they can show the money. Lenny is saying that if the money is used to in turn help the people that used to no, are being no, hurt. No, 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 no. For example, let to me help, give you an To like, help him. The Garden State Parkway was built. Hold on. The Garden State Parkway was built with the tolls and the money was supposed to be to build to pay for the road. So once they paid for the road, they should have taken away the tolls. But no, they left the tolls. Now, if they get, but at least it was tangible that they built the road. Now, if they would have done what they was said they were going to do and take it away, everybody would be on board. Okay. By the way, I love that you actually First of all, made I don't our like conversation way, you more it? narrow. <laughs> 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 it's like we were like actually talking about Jews. To actually, now we're talking about like one street Jews on 58th Street between six and seven. I don't like the way the table over there. There's a table over there. Uh, you see, yeah, I am looking at you, Chris Stefano, and I'm looking at you, Robert Kelly, and I'm looking at you, you uh, Mr. Jared Fried, and I, I see mean, I that, that I don't like the attitude, that the energy that's coming from that table. <laughs> should, we talk, should we talk slower? I know, that's Keith Robinson Everybody at that table Let's talk about money, Jewish care. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, I want to finish the congestion pricing discussion. Can I please say something? So actually, I don't... I, I, it's a, it's. I feel like it's a terrible thing to say, except that I actually align with you on everything tonight. Um, oh my god! Uh, the thing about the congestion pricing is exactly what um, you brought up, which is where is the money going? And the idea that they instituted congestion pricing, which they've been trying to do for I don't know as long as I've been Compass right? yeah. Um but told you will no Yiddish. Not Compass Mentis is. 
He's joking. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I told him before the show, we just ease off on the Yiddish. I, I, eased off. I didn't say the word trafe once. Um, the idea that we did that while also letting multi-millionaires and billionaires have pied-à-terres yeah. that are larger by like six times well, than the room them. that we are currently in and not pay the proper tax rate on those spaces. And instead what we're going to do is actually tax somebody who makes $200,000 a year and lives in Secaucus feels to me It's $2,000 a year and $200,000 a year not considered like piss? Uh, I don't know. Because the way, the way, good, the way she said $200,000 a year living in Chicago. It's, like it's not having $50 million and a seventy or a $7 million penthouse yeah. somewhere well, I don't know anything about. Midtown. I don't know anything about property taxes. You Are, they not, are people not paying appropriate property no, no, taxes? You no, can't, no, you nobody's can't paying buy a property. place in New York. No, and in fact, that's the, the reason that we have all these foreign nationals who actually... So, I, sorry, but now you've actually got me on hobby horse. The reason why you have basically all of Midtown, all the residential properties in Midtown are owned by people who don't actually live in them, which of course then creates a sense of the opposite of what New York was, which was... Well, people have a right to buy apartments and not live in them. No, but that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're taxes. Your taxes. Yeah. Why, are they not paying their taxes? <laughs> there was a not, proposal. No, they're not there paying enough. Yeah. And actually, well, they get forgiven. Well, I'm sure they're paying quite a lot more than anybody at this table. I'm not 100% sure so. about that. If, if you zoom out, New York simultaneously laments that it's less and less middle class. It is. While making it less and less hospitable for the middle class to Absolutely. live there. Absolutely. 100%. Well, no, you're saying make it uh, inhospitable for the middle class to drive in here. D to, drive in, in, to drive in, to live, to shop. L let me tell anything. you about my opinion on congestion pricing. Yeah. Obviously, it's a complex issue. Uh, I've read about it as much as I can because I do find it interesting, oddly enough. Uh, I do find traffic interesting. Uh, uh, you know, it it's, it's one of my things that I, that, that interests me. But from what I've what's read, the, what's first doing of, on the West Side Highway right first now? First of all, we have a resource. It's called the Streets of New York. It's a limited resource. Do we let people use it for free, or do we charge? I mean, a, a capitalist would say we have a limited resource. Let's charge people what it's worth. Uh, number two, well, if I finish my uh, my my congestion pricing rant, yep, will be part of my new special. <laughs> um, from what I hear, there's numerous benefits to congestion pricing. First of all, the people that do drive in can actually get to work at a reasonable pace. Oh, it's pay. great for Is me. I, I couldn't it's care great. less about the, the mound. You're, I'm going to buzz around New York faster than ever. <laughs> I consider it a win. Well, first, but first, people, and the people that wish to buzz around faster now have that option. And they are who? Rich people. Exactly. No, I don't know. But yeah, rich to pay. What, what's it going to be? I mean, $50 a week. $50 a week. I don't know. Is that the, is that the price? They're talking yeah. about $10 a car. $10, like, like, listen, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm reluctant to speak this way because I don't want people to, to, to think I'm being vulgar in some way, but just being honest, like, you know, I'm actually looking forward to having less traffic because traffic is horrible. I Tra hate driving traffic. Traffic is, and it's also bad for the environment. I would pay $50 a week to have less from, traffic. From what I hear, less traffic is not only has benefits for the people that are driving Guys. the traffic, it has benefits for the buses. What? All right, well, can I finish my sentence? Yes. <laughs> buses can not move. I can jog faster than a bus moves in this city. Who takes the bus? Not the rich. So traffic is moving. Emergency vehicles can actually get to the poor guy who's having a heart attack. 
because they can't actually, now. There are actually fewer buses coming down. So well, the reason well, why well, the buses well, maybe if we had a better, less traffic, we could improve okay, the bus Dan, system. The point is that you could improve. I think you guys should branch out and have the transportation authority head on your show. <laughs> I would like because that. I think you there's really super interesting things to say about traffic in New York. Um, I also think that it's pretty clear also, that the place is a fucking playground for the rich. Absolutely. We, every single yeah, storefront is now going to be shut down to become a Dwayne Reed or a bank because, and, and they will hold that thing open for six months or eight months or a year. Because actually, it's better for them to wait for a big corporation yeah. with some faceless brand to put that put in that space than to give it to somebody who's on that street who might actually be producing something that's good for that neighborhood, but who can't pay six times market well, look, rate. I mean, it's nuts. You know, the market is what it is. You know, I mean, New York's an expensive place. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't see any way around that. Um, Politics well, I, is about <clears throat> moving your levers so that you to create the city you want to create. There's something to me very disturbing about a, a, a family that starts a life somewhere with a certain expectation of how they're going to get to work and where they live and they choose a place to live based on all that and they buy, they buy a car and all that stuff and then this, their fiduciary, this, the government that supposedly cares about their, those middle class people just hits them with $250 or that's, $230 that's more That's my life right now. And by that's the way, my life. And, and, and now try to have a child. Exactly. Because actually they're going to they're charge brutal. you $11,000 to hold your newborn baby in your arms. It's insane. How is that? Well, what about... What is that? What is well, that? Actually, the insurance companies now what charge you for skin-to-skin -skin contact with your child. No, that's bullshit. I read the, all about that. I know all well, about we that. We didn't have that one. Skin-to-skin -skin contact I requi requires... I've read this. With skin-to-skin -skin contact at the hospital, they charge you like 50 bucks or something. Whatever it is, too. I don't know what Depends it is. Depends on your insurance. Why should they be charging you for skin-to-skin? Because -skin? you need... Because these women are coming out of a procedure, I guess, a C-section, whatever it is where they were drugged to the hilt and they need extra people monitoring the All situation. Right. So Dan's it's, it's two not, things are... We talk about Jewish food. Dan's not two big things are congestion God. pricing and C-sections. As far good. as congestion pricing is concerned, a lot of these people that have... <laughs> first of all, you have expectations and things do change. So, taxis had an expectation that they would not be completely upended by Uber. Uh, and that's, I, that's business. As far as people moving, you know, there's public transportation and carpooling. Okay. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's the arrogance. People who don't drive, just take public transportation. I got to get up in the morning. I got to get my kids to school. I got to get to work. I, it's freezing cold. I mean, this is, you could, you just, dudes, you need to be a little more open to thinking about things from other people's shoes. But you're Surely, not thinking about it from the people's shoes that are being affected by the pollution of traffic, by, by buses that can't move, so people that have to take the bus can't get anywhere because those is, buses that, do not that, move? That is, so the, that is the world as it's always been. And, and whatever. It, it, that's the world has always been. I'm people, saying there's two people, sides to it. Maybe you're right, people, but, but came, you're not considering people, the advantages no, of congestion pricing. There is nobody I know who moved into New York City who moved in before there was traffic everywhere. This You knew there was traffic in New York City, and by the way, there's still going to be traffic in New York City. It's just, whatever. Well, so you're saying we should think, abandon also, the whole... We I, shouldn't I, even I, try to wait, reduce wait, wait, traffic. Wait, Dan, hold on a second. I also think that, like, I think it would feel different if we felt something like congestion pricing happening inside of a context where... A lot of other things seem to, be, seem to be moving in a different direction. So if we felt like, like right now you have a bunch of pre-K teachers who are about to go on strike because they are not getting what they want out of their contract after de Blasio touted universal pre-K as one of his signature education uh, 
gems, right? There are those of us who actually live in this city, and the idea that we know that my garbage truck does not come until the very late in the day, sometimes the evening of the day it's supposed to get picked up. My kids' preschool teachers are about to be on strike. Like, then there's congestion pricing, and so my aunt who lives somewhere can't actually get into the city. These things create a holistic sense of how the city functions, and you can't look at them so much as individual moves. You have to look at them as how the city feels, and right now the city feels, I think, to a lot of people, like it's not like it's a playground for rich people, many of whom don't actually ever live here, and many of whom don't give a shit about street life or about neighborhoods or about community. And those of us who do are not finding hospitality or help on the part of our government, our literal local, local government. And that, to me, feels insane, given who this mayor is and what he well, claims to stand for. Why are you clapping for. when you're Mr. Free Market? I believe the government is causing a lot of these problems. But let, let, watch how quickly it's going to change. So I believe the congestion pricing is going to stop in the evening, I hope. But let's just say, for the sake of argument... Yes, it's only it, rush hour. ...that it stops um, traffic down in the village, bridge and tunnel, whatever it is, right. and I have to give out half the spots that I used to. Now you because want your people won't drive in. Yeah, because business business takes it because business goes down, and then now all of a sudden you guys get fewer spots because of congestion pricing. Oh shit! Now now it's a different issue. Oh, uh, now all of a sudden I might have to yeah, chip if, in. If, if, if it, I might if have it to chip in a little the, bit. If out it of my, kills, kills the business life of the city, no, no, obviously I'd be against no, it. No, other businesses are doing great. You, well, it, why, why is this the only business that's not I'm doing just great? Saying in your that scenario? if the congestion pricing meant if taking, it were great for the city. And, and help I'm, people overall. I'm saying then I then I lose. Just, then I lose. Uh, just imagine hypothetically, it took forty dollars a week out of your pocket, the, and you'd say if it was good for the city, then uh, I I would be upset. Of course, I'd be upset. That's right. Look, if you told me that if you told me that I was going to die tomorrow, but that no kids would ever get cancer again, I'd be fucking upset. But it would be a, it would be so a you support it even if it meant money out of your pocket. If I felt it was best for the city, yes. Death to Natterman. But uh, uh, there's a lot of things that suck for me that are, are, are good policies. I Just because it sucks for me doesn't mean it's not a good policy. That's why I'm not the in, in charge of these decisions. And all I'm saying is, is if I felt that that policy was contributing to a general shift in how the city treated the people that wanted to be rooted here... I would be Look, not everybody can be rooted. Even if narrowly, I didn't agree not, with we're that. We're over time, but I want to talk about one more issue while we got everybody. What about this horrible outcome that only like seven out of, I don't know, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, out of thousands of uh, black students who took the entrance exam to Stuyvesant and those uh, very good uh, New York City public schools. Peria looks puzzled. Peria, why are you puzzled? Why, why yeah, puzzled? Why are you puzzled? Why what is this issue? issue? Talk, talk. So, Don't be shy. Because uh, Peria wants to talk The details are escaping me. Do you, do you know the details a lot? Kim Kardashian being a lawyer, I think. Basically, uh, they, they have these Bronx Science divers, and there's a few public um, schools, in high schools, and the lowest number ever of black students um, reached the threshold on the entrance exam to be accepted. And, and the numbers are stunning, like seven kids at Stuyvesant and... They couldn't get there because of the congestion. Kids at, five, kids at, <laughs> five kids at, at Bronx Science. Uh, does anybody have any... any and, and now there's a lot of pressure on them to scrap, and it already has been pressure. I want to know why Periel looks, looks upset and or puzzled. Not at all. Now you're not talking? No, I'm not upset or puzzled. Yes, you are. Uh, I didn't know so Periel thinks they should scrap the exam, correct? 
No, I think that black kids um, have a disadvantage, full stop. So I think that that's what needs to be worked out. Right, but in the meantime, you would, you would, you would scrap the exam. I don't know. Like, that's not my area of expertise, but I think that m most importantly is that a lot, not all, but a lot of black kids have a disadvantage, and that's a huge problem. So, so this is no, what you're going to make me answer something that, like, I can't answer. I, think, I, I, did, I thought you might have I an opinion on I think Betsy DeVos will figure this all out for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Right. So this is, this, is what, this is what I think. I wonder if I can finally lose Alana. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I think you lost this. You're just trying to shake I, me. I, I think yeah. the, the incentives are actually quite perverse here. I think that uh, this is actually a, um, a rare opportunity that we're forced to look directly in the eyes the truth of how badly we're failing these black kids. In what? Terms of you thought you were going to lose me on that? Wait, wait, wait. I didn't get my whole point. Oh, sorry. And that if we were to... The biggest um, incentive that anybody has to change these exams is not the kid, not the, the parents of the black kids who are not being educated properly. It's the unions, the mayor, and the city who would love to just change the standard, then all of a sudden next year, 50 black kids are in Stuyvesant, and presto changeo, the problem is gone, and we'll never have to think about it again. I think that if, if my daughter was not able to pass an exam and the principal came to me and said, don't worry, Mr. Dorman, we're just going to change what she needs to pass, I'd be like, hell no, you need to teach my daughter so she can do it. And if they change, if they get rid of these exams, there will be no chance that these black kids are ever going to be taught. They need to keep the exam where it is, and then they need to fix the problem. And the problem will only be fixed. The only evidence that the problem is fixed is when they start to pass the exam as they are now. What, what if the problem... But the unions would love to camouflage this whole issue, and, and, and they dress it up as we're doing what's good for black kids. How are you doing anything good for black kids by... by um, in, in, you know, making, making permanent, permanentizing their underachievement. Because once you tell them that you don't have to achieve any better, that's it. Why would anybody do any better? No? Yes. Yeah, so Norm, I gotta tell you, I... I, uh, I can't lose her. You, if I can't he, lose her. You, you, I'm would on lose you like a filter on well, fish. Well, he I really like, 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 had, he told you, had he told you what he really believes, he would have lost you. Go ahead, Noam. He might have. That he might have, really but, but he might have, but I have but to say that... But it's more nuanced than that. No, but, no, what, but what he's basically saying is, is that the test is the... It's the iceberg, Right, it's That's what we right. see on top, but there's a whole thing underneath the water that is where the problem lives. And if you really want to make change and to create a situation that becomes fairer and more just, that allows actually for people to express their own skills and gifts, what, what if no despite, what are, if despite everybody's best efforts, the test results are not perfectly equal? Let's get there. Um, I think it would be useful to have somebody who is super thoughtful from the African-American community here who could talk about actually what they feel are the legitimate challenges from inside of their community. Well, the reason we invited Lenny instead <laughs> of an African-American is because this was going to be a very heavy Jewish-oriented podcast. And so we did Great. not invite an African-American to be with us. <laughs> so we got to end. And part of the problem is... Why? Why do we not? Yeah. Because with this podcast was, I have to be honest with you, I was against it. Um, I just thought it was so love you too. Thank you. No, I think you. you're very lovely. I'm not against you in any way, shape, or form. I just thought, you know, we have an audience that's 
They just they just <laughs> listen to Brewer talk about Metallica. They're like, fuck yeah! I wonder what they're gonna talk about next on that. I'll fucking- talk about Metallica. <laughs> And, and and I don't. We, we're trying to figure out who we are as a podcast, and 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 we're trying to find that middle ground between between. We're also Jewish. Worthy though. discussion. You can't get away from it. Okay, can we talk about Netanyahu? Dis- between worthy discussion, <laughs> political discussion, and comedy, and we're trying to thread that needle as best we can. Listen, if there was a bad choice here, it was Lenny. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Because I totally agree. I do not. I, no, if you would have told me, I would not have come. Not gonna tell you why. <laughs> For the exact I, I, reason, I, that girl. I do not want to talk about this. Uh, hold stuff. on, I didn't want Who? you. Yeah, I don't want to talk I about want politics. You. I Who hate did you? Politics. You wanted Barry Weiss. Yeah, because Barry. You talk- wanted to even. Give it even more. I'm gonna tell you what. No, Lenny, I voted for you, honey. Not Ho- Anything else? <laughs> By the any way, other show? If you would have told me, I would now vote for you. Okay, <laughs> hold on a second. I wanted Barry because they're friends, and we could talk about a million things with, with Barry. Dan, not just not Barry. Anti. Barry doesn't. Barry doesn't write about only well, Jewish well, things. Well, then but, we could have had that discussion at our weekly meeting that ho- you don't want to ho- have. Hold on. And, <laughs> See, and, this is your show now. And uh, Lenny is, of course, one of my all-time favorites. However. If we're gonna have Alana, I would have had like a, a black dude on or something like that, so that we exactly. want to. Exactly. Right. I totally but, uh, agree with you, Noam. <laughs> but um, this is the but, first time ever. And, no, I, and no, last me. Me. how many times have I pleaded with you? <laughs> have a weekly meeting yes. either by phone or in person to discuss guests. By the and, way, do you want me to come back with the black dude? I, 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 <laughs> I would love to come back. With email. By the way, I met your husband, didn't I? I met your husband. No. No, I didn't meet your husband. I mean, I emailed Noam a list of good topics. Yeah, I don't think he reads them. To be honest with you. You can uh, email yeah. them to me. I don't think I'll he fucking. I think he comes here. He looks at. Oh, we're gonna discuss this. No, he looks at me. He's like. Where's the paper? I do. I do read the topics. Listen, I have to tell you something. If you want to have a discussion, one of the things that the, we were the, supposed the, to talk about that we didn't talk about because you guys talked about fucking congestion we, we pricing is, is it, now it comes out. I asked you what was your. It's because what? we're supposed to talk about Jews and comedy. Oh. Why are there so many Jews okay. in we comedy? Will, we'll talk about Jews and comedy. We can cut out for the for the radio show. We'll cut out some of the earlier stuff, and then we'll go. I just want to say that Dan. Dan's reason for this podcast are not exactly the same as mine. A well, big reason that I like... I know. I deal with that every day. A, a big reason that I like to do the podcast because it allows me to talk to interesting people who I would not get to talk to easily otherwise. So... That, that's a big part of the, what I get out of the pocket. And interestingly, poor Lenny, we, look at him. We, as, as much as we, we we didn't we didn't get any email about the Brewer uh, interview or one thing, we get we get a lot of emails about when we talk about p- political stuff. Yeah, and they're anyway. like, can you guys please stop talking so, about so Alana, much political? No, yeah. Why are there so many Jews? First of all, you know Barry made the point that uh, like Jews are the capitalists and they're the and they're the communists. You know, and like talking about anti-Semitism. Right, and they're funny and they're yeah. not. But the fact is that Jews are, but it's kind of true. We are, we were the capitalists and we were the communists. Like we are kind of into everything, including comedy. Why do you think there's so many Jews in comedy? Um, Lenny? Do you have a theory on that? Lenny, I do. We've been through a ton of pain what throughout have you the years. Through? And what you pain have pain? you been through? I had to listen to my father who escaped <laughs> oh, World cool. War II my entire life saying we're going to get killed. We're gonna die. We're gonna suffer. This is go to, you. Everything you go to temple is not is to, every song is. Were you very funny? Were you very funny when you were a kid? It's everybody's dead. Everybody's dying. Everybody's <laughs> sick. Everybody's complaining. It's just if you don't lighten the mood, you're gonna explode. That's it. That's Wait, why. I, do you have Everything you is my, funny. Wait, were you very just... funny when you were a kid? Or did you like lighten the mood? Same thing. No, my father lightened the mood, but we would laugh at like st- everything. To me, was just stupid because everything was about death. So I would just make fun of every last thing, and then they would go, "Why can't you be serious? You know, why don't you be serious? Because you, all you t- is serious. 
So like this podcast that I had to listen to congestion price. If you think for one second in my fucking life I want to talk about congestion price, holy shit. Who's listening to this not skipping ahead? You're telling me your audience is people? I hope they talk about congestion They're pricing? They're people listening dro- in Holy their cars. shit. Uh, fair enough, Lenny. You're right. You're, you, may, you may have me on the congestion pricing oh. thing. But what, what, go ahead. Why, what, 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 I'm going to answer that by telling you this Holocaust joke that I heard this week. Oh, um, that's a question I have. I want to come back to it. Okay. Should tell her Holocaust, Holocaust joke? Ellie, Ellie Wiesel uh, dies. Um, My father knew him, by the way. Overrated. <laughs> Bring it up on the next podcast. My father didn't like him either. <laughs> yeah, there you go. My father said, enough with the Holocaust, <laughs> Ellie. That's what he used to say. Yeah. So Ellie Wiesel dies and goes to heaven, and God, uh, one of the angels comes and says, God wants to have a private conversation with you. And he says, okay. And so he, he goes back and starts talking to God. God starts asking him all these questions. They have a two-hour-long discussion. At the end of it, God looks at him and says, okay, tell me your best Holocaust joke. And Mizell's like, okay. Proceeds to tell God this joke. Doesn't land. No laugh. Literally, God's not laughing at all. Wiesel looks at him and goes, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> That's not bad, Dan. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, the point of it is, and the reason why I love it, is because it's literally, like for me, I think that the thing that was magical about Jews and comedy was their ability to actually make jokes that seemed incredibly specific very wide. And it was because there's this Deanne Arbus quote that's actually on the wall of my office, and it's the more specific you get, the more general it'll be. And that's what Jews did. They were like, how about we actually talk about pain? Which is a thing that we experience in a very particular way that sometimes can be overwhelming, but in fact is a truism of life. Now, what about Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, There's not a lot of... I'm not hearing pain in his act. There's a lot of anxiety and neurosis in Seinfeld. Yeah, that's another aspect um, of us. And it's also and it, it and and it's what's pleasurable about that comedy is the um, the luxuriating in it. Like he literally just lives in it like it's a fur coat, which is fun because you're like, wow, actually, I could literally just imagine that my bullshit perseverating about what time to get somewhere is actually funny or valuable in some way that I think was um, was something I, I mean I literally I would I have an argument to make that Jerry Seinfeld actually created a new American value look I don't know why Jews got into comedy I can only tell you why I got into comedy <laughs> pussy now oh. She doesn't like that, Dan. <laughs> By the way, do you, do you see the irony? Do you see the irony? Dan that? goes up to heaven and says to God, let me tell you this. And, uh, do you see the irony? You. And, 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 and your joke flopped just like uh, Ellie Wiesel's to God. Do you see, uh, well, it might have flopped here, but I guarantee you, they're laughing like a motherfucker okay. in the car, Dan. In the car. I agree with you. you Let's s- talk about pussy. Do you see the... Not congestion pricing. Do you see the, uh, do you see the irony that the network executives... <laughs> thought that nobody would be interested in Jerry Seinfeld's show because it was too Jewy. Of course. Yeah, I can see that. Well, and but here we are. Worrying about yeah, they're, just like, <laughs> their, their episodes had a Jewish sensibility in a sense, but they didn't, Absolutely. the episodes didn't delve deeply into most of the episodes, and okay. in fact, most of the characters weren't even Jewish, although they were played by Jews. Yeah, but the Jews uh, are famous for like the Talmud or whatever, I, analyzing I, every last I hear sentence a hundred ways. I hear what you're saying. What he I'm, does I'm, I'd be interested to see. Uh, once again, as always, we want your feedback. So please, w- once again, what's that? Um, 
that Podca- uh, podcast at Comedy I, I could Cellar. be com. wrong, and we and and I'm fine with every week. Talmudic discussion. <laughs> Please write in. No so more Lenny. Get a black dude. And tell them you're calling about congestion pricing. It does and not, then you give them your opinion. I can promise you it doesn't bother me. I will talk all day and night about about Judaica, about Yiddishkeit. About more the, blacks on this podcast. Ka- kashru- no Jews. Kashrut, if that's what the people want. So what was that? But I don't know that that's what okay. they want. So, anyway. so what was the address again? The email address? Did, will you let me say without interrupting me this time? I'll try to do so. I can't guarantee it. Podcast.comicsell.com. Um, uh, so anyway, we're going to wrap it up. Alana Newhouse, the editor-in-chief of Tablet Magazine, has a book, The 100 Most Jewish Foods. And my lovely, wonderful Puerto Rican wife, who, by the way, Party was the one who signed the kids up for Hebrew school with my, without even telling me she was going to do it, who learned how to make brisket, and every other aspect of, of Jewish food for the Passover Seder, it, she's, she's fantastic. Um, she is going to uh, get a copy of uh, Alana's 100 Most Jewish Foods for, um, I'm going to get it for her. It's sold on Amazon, correct? Yeah, it's I'm going to get Amazon. her a copy, but, but you have to sign it for me. Absolutely. Uh, so I do want to say one thing about this yeah. book. Yeah. So um, the book is so relevant to the conversation. I mean, I don't think there's anything about congestion pricing in it, but um, the a lot of the people who've written for the book are not Jewish. And um, so it's like Elizabeth Warren's cookbook that she did, uh, <laughs> Pow Wow Chow. This is, this is a deeply Jewish book that has kind of insanely amazing um, contributors to it. And the idea is, is I think the book plays on um, what feels exciting about for some of us about being Jewish, which is the idea that we're both insiders and outsiders. Like we are both like fundamentally in charge of certain industries and influential. And also many of us have a lot of security in our lives. We are, we also have this tradition that feels like a tradition that's, that's rooted in insecurity and in oppression. And those two things can live at the same time. You don't have to pick one. And frankly, to be perfectly honest, there are a bunch of non-Jewish contributors to this book, including Amanda Hesser and Eric Repair and Marcus Samuelson and Tom Colicchio. And Wait, Colicchio's involved? Colicchio wrote the Whitefish <laughs> entry. I don't know I mean, who those people are. And Action Bronson did our Chinese food yeah. entry. I mean, this stuff is amazing. And looking at them... I mean, Action Bronson's actually, um, he's Jewish, but looking at how non-Jewish contributors saw Jews and saw the Jewish contribution to American culture was so moving, in part because that was our point. We wanted to come here and give America something and give it a gift. And the idea of actually seeing on the other side, Americans being like, thanks for your gift. Like, that brisket was really good. I don't Thank know we were you. trying to give him a gift to just get the hell out of Russia. <laughs> we're way off. And we're, but, it's going uh, to be an editing, so night, it's gonna <laughs> editing nightmare. For, thank you very much, Alana. Thank you, Lenny. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Perio. Thank you, Dan. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.